You're listening to the Look Right Naked podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bach. This is the podcast for men and women who want to look right naked without living in the gym. If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey, what is going on? Eric Bach here with the Look Right Naked podcast. And today, my special guest is Marcus McKay, the owner of M Perform. And today, we are going to discuss how to optimize your health. Marcus, thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I think I'm going to learn just as much as uh, you will because uh, you're, you're a pretty badass coach, so I'm pumped. Oh, shit, man. I'm already blushing. We got the camera going on. All right. Love it. Love it. Well, the way that you approach health, the way that you approach fitness is something that's unique. In a world where things are filled with surface level tips and ideas, you go a level deeper. And one thing you consistently mention is this idea of going from survival mode into thrive mode. Can you elaborate on the overall principles that you have within Emperform and why most people are actually in survival mode right now and that's what's holding them back? Sure. So I don't think a lot of people know what it feels like to feel great because I once didn't feel great and I thought that was just normal. And so what's happened in society is, is we, we played into that normal is being overtired, overfed, you know, unenergized and, and just not feeling our best and that's okay. And I don't think that's okay. I think we're really designed to thrive and prosper and grow. A life worth living is one that you're getting better each day in something that's important to you. If we can harness that through health, we harness that through self-discipline and understanding that, hey, like this is your race, you gotta run it. Like when people think about discipline, they think about this military hard notes, like self-discipline is just creating the expectations and standards you have for yourself. Um, and so what we do at Emperform is, listen, I can cut your calories. I can put you through training sessions. I can help you lose weight. That's fine. What does that do for the quality of your life? What is the um, emotional implications? How does that make you feel in your body? Your whole podcast and, and value proposition is about looking good naked. Okay, so if I feel good naked, what does that mean? Like, is it that I look in the mirror and I'm like, fuck yeah, like this is great? Or is it like I have absolute confidence in myself because I show up for myself each day? When my wife or partner looks at me in the mirror or definitely, yeah, when I'm coming out of the washroom and they're like, damn, what does that do for me? And so if we're trying to break down what health is, not only physical, but it's emotional, it's your relationship with others and yourself. I think it's, it needs to be more expansive and, and better explained in the industry. Totally agree, right? And when it comes to, again, using the phrase looking great naked, it's like, that's obviously a catchy phrase that gets people's attention. And But we have to go as one layer deeper, right? And what does that do for you personally? When you look and feel a certain way, we always like to say that fitness itself is a force multiplier, right? Like when you were dialed in, when you like the way that you look, it's like those cheesy old men's warehouse commercials. Like you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. When you like the way that you look and you show up and you're not self-conscious, you show up with more authority. You are present in that moment. You're able to be clear and conscious in these conversations because you're not subconsciously thinking Is this person judging me. How do I look in this? Oh my God. I hate the way that my shirt you know, comes over these rolls in my stomach. And when you start to take a step back, and get past some of the surface level components of health and of fitness, we really start to dial in and realize that to be able to feel and perform our best in these other areas that we also value, our personal lives and our professional lives, that the health is that foundation. And when we understand that that's a foundational component, that's when we can pull away from some of the gimmicks, some of the bullshit that's out there that leaves people on these 30, 60, 90 day cycles of ramping things up, 
falling off the wagon, wrapping things up, falling off the wagon. And then it gets harder each and every single time until they start to lose hope and self-sabotage gradually kicks in. And so I think that's such an important aspect of getting clear. Where do I want to be? And not just now, you know, something that you even mentioned on your website is like, how do I want to look and feel next year? Like, what is the runway? What is the duration that we want to focus on here? It's really hard for humans to see the long game. You know, most people don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't know what they're going to eat for dinner. And there's, it takes some calculation because if you're living a life where there's so much unpredictability, there's going to be unpredictable results. If we can create systems that allow you to be successful day in, day out, guess what? If you're seeing progress in your life, you're going to stick to it. The reason people yo-yo is the whole thing to block that or to combat that. I think identity habits are what everyone should chase. And identity habits can be positive or negative, but let's talk about them in a positive framework. So an identity habit is a habit that if you don't do, you feel off. Let me give you an example. If you don't exercise in a day, at the end of the day, how do you feel? Oh my God. So Tuesday, this happened. I had a very long day, 14 hours. And I'm normally always like a mid-afternoon workout helps me decompress. And all of a sudden at seven o'clock, I'm like, Lauren, I've got to go do something. I went out in the garage. I hammered the air bike. It wasn't until that moment, I feel like I could actually calm down and be a good present father and husband. That's an identity habit. Exactly. So identity habits are those that are part of your identity and that if they aren't done, if you don't do them, you feel off. Okay. And so if we're trying to create new healthy habits, the reason that they're going to stick for a long time and you're going to age well, you're going to look great naked, all these health benefits is that the healthy habits need to become things that are part of who you are, your essence. That comes down to mindset. That's the the beliefs, the priorities and values. That's not the calories, the macros, the exercise split, the reps, sets, tempo. That has nothing to do with that. That has everything to do with creating someone that you want to walk through life as. The more work you do on the personal development, like you and I are, are both in business masterminds and all that kind of stuff is is we know that the impact we're going to have in this world and you know the revenue and being able to retire, you know, I want to retire my family and all that kind of stuff, that is completely dependent on my own personal development. If we can help people understand that, hey, it's not diets that you're chasing, it's, it's people. You need to chase the person you want to be and those habits. Like, What is your optimal life? What is your perfect day? You probably exercise. You probably put good food in your body. You probably spend time with good people. Ideally, you work on something that's meaningful, that serves other. If you do all four of those things, you're probably going to have a great day, right? No doubt. It's such an important component, right? And being able to shift that identity. And so, you know, knowing you personally, one thing I would like to do is actually take a step back. And I would like to talk about your identity before, before you became a coach, when you were an athlete. So much of your personal development comes from you overcoming your own struggles and being willing to share that journey. Can you highlight, you know, some of the things that you battled when you were maybe coming out of school after being an athlete? Like most athletes, you have a, an obsessive uh, personality in which you do something until you get really good and and nothing else in the world matters. So uh, whether I was on the tennis court, I was playing hockey, whatever it was, it was like, I was all in. Unfortunately, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this is when you move out of high school, I don't want to use the word institutionalized, but you kind of are, right? You have to be at a certain classroom at a certain time. You have to practice at a certain time. Everything's figured out. 
you have a schedule. But when you go to university, it's up to you. And so you give the opportunity to skip class. You're playing a lot less sports. Unfortunately, that obsessive mentality gravitated towards the bar scene where I started drinking too much, uh, which was the gateway to drug use and fucking coke and whatever. And so by third, fourth year, I developed some really, really bad self-sabotaging habits. So much so, uh, I had gained 40 pounds, okay? My tennis weight was like 258. I was like 200 pounds at 510, which is not good. A not good weight, right? You have the bar body. Yeah, my mental health was horrible because when you are drinking too much, you're drinking eight days a week, you are constantly in a depressed state where you are abusing the production of your neurotransmitters, right? Alcohol fucks with your gut health. Your gut is what produces your serotonin, okay? Your brain thrives on routine and good night's sleep. When you're going out all the time, you're not getting any of this. So I was literally poisoning my brain and it ended up becoming depression and anxiety. And so much so I was having sleep paralysis. I was a mess. I felt like a liability to my parents. I remember my dad taking me because I didn't know what was going on. I was having these episodes and I was 23, 24 years old. I remember my dad taking me to an appointment, an MRI appointment to see what was going on with my my brain. Little, I don't know. It was my lifestyle. And I collapsed in the parking lot. And I was like, I'm supposed to be in my prime. I'm supposed to be making my parents proud and like I'm supposed to be this healthy vibrant guy and here I am my dad is at 23 is taking me to these appointments I'm not an asset I'm a liability and at that point I, I got introduced to Paul Check. he has the four doctors he has light you know sunshine food exercise people and I was like oh shit I can fix this so that's kind of my then I pivoted my life I decided enough was enough I hit the wall rock bottom and it was like okay i need to go learn about all this health mastery stuff i'm gonna hire paul check i'm gonna learn from charles poliquin and that was 12 years ago and here we are today that's incredible man and you're fortunate in that you recognized a lot of these things that were happening i mean i see a lot of people who have been athletes going to the same track you know it's kind of like the classic scene of they kind of peak in college and they never leave that environment right because they got the party lifestyle all of those components and it becomes a slow spiral down. But in addition, there are many people who are higher performers who also share these same traits, right? People who tend to succeed in business and in sports are very often wired in the same obsessive type way. There's an incredible drive, internal motivation that really pushes them to do a lot of different things. However, in many cases, when you push that stress so high based on the effort, on the amount of pressure that you put on yourself, many times it boomerangs back into different lifestyle habits. Right. And so I know I see this with, with some of my clients, those who are performing their best or who are looking to perform their best in terms of maybe financial means. There's also that massive stress component and the self-sabotage aspect often ramps up, whether it begins as occasional drinking for social obligations at work to the daily nightcap to having edible, getting high just to go to sleep, whatever it is. And so many people who are performing pretty well in some areas just slowly begin this gradual slide down and this spiral and it creates a glass ceiling. It creates a glass ceiling in terms of their health, in terms of their physique, in terms of their business. And when you stop reaching that potential that you know that you have, that misalignment of your actions between who you know you can become and what you're doing is what drives a lot of people into these dark spots. Is that something that you see a lot? Because I know your clientele, you're working with some very high performing individuals, business owners, so on and so forth. You know, what's interesting is like 
in your 20s, you can kind of get away with murder. Your body's just so resilient. And I don't think people understand is, is how, as you age is like your what happens is your body just becomes less resilient. You know, as a kid, like you fall down, you scrape your knee or like you break a bone or hurt something like within weeks, you're back to normal. And so what you notice when you get older is like the hangovers are longer. You can't just go out and wake up at 6 a.m. on two hours of sleep and operate. You're probably hungover. If you went out hard Saturday, you probably feel it till Wednesday. That's because your body's internal systems is just not as efficient as it once was to detox, to, to, to flesh you out. What's interesting about self-sabotage and addiction is, is simply the narrowing of things that bring you joy. And so if your work environment is so stressful and your only outlet is something is a negative coping mechanism, we need to fix that. Because there's got to be something else other than booze, edibles, or whatever it is, that's going to bring you life. Because that's what you're looking for, right? Life is hard. We get it. Okay? You're pushing a big rock in life. We gotta, you got to support it with high-performance habits. But the reality is, I get it, is like that bottle of wine. Like I was talking to a, a really sought-after lawyer. Uh, he owns like five different firms all over the country in the U.S. And he reached out and he said, hey, Marcus, like I'm in trouble. Um, for the last 20 years, uh, I've built this massive business I'm doing really well financially, but I drink a bottle of wine to, to cope with the stress. And uh, I have fatty liver disease and heart problems. Can you help me? I said, maybe. Let's let's schedule another call and, and let me talk to my team and see what we can do. And within that time between the first and the second call we were supposed to have, he went on the treadmill to do some walking and he got lightheaded and ended up in the hospital. 65. Wow. So I don't, know, I don't know if people understand that even if you're in your 30s and you're still partying like you're in college on the weekends, what's that, what that's doing long term, what that's going to happen in your 50s and 60s, because all these diseases that are coming to you, like Alzheimer's, cancer, dementia, diabetes, like that doesn't happen in your 50s and 60s. It happens in your 40s and 30s. It just progresses decade over decade. But hey, man, if, if anyone's listening to this and... I wasn't disciplined. I had no, other than sports, I could show up for practice and I could push, but I had no grasp of my habits. And there are so many people that have amazing transformation stories. Use that as fuel. If they can do it, so can you. Yeah, that's so important to be able to have, you know, because so many people just get stuck in these, again, they get stuck in these habits. It's just a way of operating. It's just the way that their social circle is. It's just the way that the people that they are around tend to be. And by extension, you start to model those who are around you, right? And so the classic example is, yeah, you've got your bar buddies and you consistently hang out with them. What kind of habits are you going to build? Well, one way to look at that is look at the group of people who are also sitting at the bar 10, 20, 30 years older. If they're even there, what do they look like? How are they performing? What's their body language like? And so that can be a very humbling experience to look at it. You know, a lot of the things that we've discussed so far have been about setting your environment up for success, right? And so for you, going from this position where you notice all these issues, like what kind of changes did you have to make to your environment? Yeah, that's a great question. So, well, I think is it something that everyone should consider is like, am I in an environment to thrive or is this environment going to really crush my goals? So I went to school in Ottawa and I told that story about you know, the bar, but the body and all that kind of stuff. So 
I actually took myself out of Ottawa and moved back home to a place, a city called Kingston, just to get out of that environment because the people I was spending time with, yeah, who I was associating with, like that wouldn't have ended up, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't move. Uh, spent time in Kingston, not a lot of opportunity career-wise. Moved to Toronto because you're from the States, is is probably the mecca of, it's like the New York of the States. I had to go there to become a coach of a decent caliber, of a high caliber. But even in Toronto, it was still the same thing, fast life, entertainment, drinking on weekends. And so I, I was like, man, like where can I wake up each day and be energized and excited about life? And so I moved to the West Coast and I live in Vancouver, which is very similar to Denver, Colorado, right? Where you have access to nature. There's a mindset around here that everybody has a relationship with nature. There's a, a mindset that everybody is healthy. Like there's not a lot of obesity where I live at all in North Vancouver because it's hilly. People have to walk. There's gyms all around. It's just, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a healthy culture and healthy culture creates healthy people. Definitely. And that speaks so much to the, uh, you know, again, surrounding yourself in the right place with the right vibe, going where people are epitomizing the values that you really deem to be important. Um, I mean, personally, you know, I grew up in I grew up in Wisconsin, right? And if you know anything about the state of Wisconsin, like the first thing that comes to mind for people, it's I mean, it's Packers, it's cheese, brats, and it's alcohol, right? There's more bars than there are churches, you know? And so overall, like there's a huge drinking culture. And for me, definitely a party boy. I had a great time especially in my early twenties. Right. And like a big piece of it for me wanting to move and going to Colorado, actually, you know, right out of college, I didn't know anybody out there except for my girlfriend at the time, who's now my, you know, now my wife was like, I've got to be able to get away from my social circle as much as I love my family and friends and be able to kind of do things on my own, just because I know that my the way that my brain is wired and I do everything hundred percent, right. Whether it's <laughs> drinking vodka or lifting weights, like that's just the way that my personality is. And so setting that environment up in an early age, I mean, to make sure that I establish good habits. I was getting into my professional life and taking a step further, man. Like, you know, I've got another friend, very similar story to you, right? He owns a series of different gyms on the East coast, um, built up a very successful business, but the only off switch for him was going out. It was partying and going very hard with it. And he finally got to the point where he realized like, I can't stay here. And he moved across the country. Same thing, got to a place with nature, able to run his business and fly back when he needed to, obviously financially, you know, affluent in order to do so. Whether it's a financial thing or not, you know, if you find yourself in a slippery slope type area and your environment truly isn't serving you, the best decision you can make, even if it's difficult in terms of removing yourself from, from people, from situations, from a job, it might save your life, right? And like, that's really what's at stake when it comes to some of these self-sabotaging behaviors, whether it's saving your life in two years, five years, or 40 years based on the habits that you're slowly doing that are eroding your health and eroding your body. Today, like, what does health look like for you? Like, what are some key components that you focus on, whether it's like rules around alcohol or how you feel your body or prioritizing movement? How do you make that a priority while running a big business? Fortunately for me, it's hard not to be active where I live and in, in the environment I live in. So it's like, it would be really hard for me not to be fit because I have a dog that needs a big hike every morning. Guess what? Regardless of how I feel, we're out on those trails every single morning. <laughs> like that's, that's just, and <laughs> it's more powerful than coffee because not only do I get exercise, I get nature, I get time with him. Who's like my favorite person right now. And on top of that, right, I get exercise, right? So my, my cognition improves. So when I sit down to work, I'm in a better state. I can get into flow state more quickly. 
I think the the only challenges with running a business and entrepreneurship, and maybe there's some entrepreneurs that resonate with this, is it's like the loneliest sport that exists. You know, I'm on, on top of my sports, my you know my training, my nutrition. I try and delegate as much as possible. Create an environment. Fridge is always just stacked with things that fuel me. And I don't keep any bullshit in the house. If I want ice cream, I go get it. All right? You guys gotta buy your willpower at the grocery store. It's it's if there's things that's in your huge. Cupboard, yeah, if there's things in your cupboards that are gonna set you up for failure, just get rid of them. Don't. But yeah, I, I just have simple rules and guidelines that keep me in check. And I have big ambition, ambitious goals. And I think the the benefits of having a northern star, something to aim at. Um, the person you're chasing plus rules or like you said, r- rules around alcohol. I only drink if we're celebrating something. So it's Friday when we're recording this. One of my good buddies is moving to Calgary. He's having a little get together. I'm going to have a couple drinks. I don't drink before 6 p.m. I only drink good shit. If it's good fucking tequila, if it's like good craft beer, I love an IPA. I only drink good <laughs> And I always drive, right? Like I, I never get to a place where alcohol is is making me unavailable to do the things I need to do the next day because tomorrow morning is more important than tonight for me these days. When it used to be that Friday night was my favorite night of the week because it was a full scent. Now it's like, okay, Saturday, I'm going to go ride in the mountains with my boys. Like it's just a different context. I love that. And so you mentioned the idea of having this North Star. How do you go about developing that? Because I think once you kind of understand the person that you want to become, it can be a little bit better to reverse engineer the habits and the steps that you need to take to get there. Yeah. So Northern Stars are things that are compelling. So if you look at motivation, you have two sides, right? You have uh, external motivators, which could be, you know, we, we ask our clients when they come into the programs, like when they achieve their, their Northern Star, like how are they going to reward? themselves some might book a vacation some might get themselves a watch i don't know just everybody has their different gifts that they want to get themselves so i think that reward center is really important so that's the external validation but the internal validation is i think way more powerful and the internal motivation is what's going to make you like really go if you're a parent on this your internal motivator might be an identity state of being a role model, right? You want to be a role model for your kids. That is something that you can connect to and you're excited about. An external motivator is that, hey, like when I go on ski trips and my kids are 15, 16, or they want to play sports, an external motivator might be that, hey, I want to make sure that I'm strong enough to do a full day at, you know, in Utah, whatever it is. Getting clear, this is all going to be individualized to you and you got to run your own race. Nobody's got the same goals or similar, but like you got to identify what your external motivators are, what your internal motivators are, where, what you're hunting for. Yeah, that's so important. It's so important to get clear on like who's the person I want to become, but how do I actually reward that? Because as simple as it is, right? Like we're human beings, we still thrive on reward, whether it's the internal validation of knowing that we're acting in full congruence with that person that we want to be most, or it could be something that's external. And in your case, highlighting both aspects, I think, is a really intelligent way to do that with your coaching program. That's great, Marcus. One thing I saw you talk about last week was actually 
subconscious actions and behaviors. Well, what's wild is how wired in our brain becomes over time. In fact, you mentioned by age 35, as much as 95% of our habits are subconscious. Can you dig into that a little bit more? Yeah, I don't think people realize how much autopilot there is in their life. Is it a Mark Twain quote where he says, uh, most people die at 24, but then they're buried at 75 and they just go through life. They just go on, go through life on autopilot. You know, they get out of bed, the way they brush their teeth, the way they use the toilet, you know, everything is, is automatic. So if we're trying to, let's say those automatic habits of like stopping at your favorite, you know, McDonald's and getting a breakfast burrito and coffee, that's, you go through that drive through every single morning before work. I'm sure there's some mornings you get to the drive through and you don't even know how you got there because it's so automatic. And so if we're trying to create new habits um, and there's some autopilot habits that are self-sabotaging and, and holding you back, uh, bringing awareness to them is, is really important. So simple framework is what are the things that if added to my life would help me get move forward? What are the habits that if I added to my life would help me improve? And what are the habits that if removed, removed, from my life would allow me to succeed. It's a lot of people are like, oh, what do I need to start doing? A lot of the times it's like, what do you need to stop doing, dude? Like, I had to stop partying. I had to stop drinking. I had to stop snoozing the alarm. I had to stop all these, you know, eating the bar food, the bullshit. Those are, those are the more important actions that me probably adding things to my life. Be like, oh, what supplements should I take? What's your, what, don't even fucking ask about that. Like, are you sleeping, eating and training right and not putting bullshit in your body? Okay, let's talk about supplement protocols. But, but you gotta earn that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's brilliant, man. I, and I love the fact that you emphasize removing something, right? In this world, we are all so overwhelmed with the information coming at us from so many different directions. And even if you're somebody who you know curtails the amount of information coming in, you don't consume a lot of media, it's still exponentially more than it was generations previous, right? And so this idea of trying to add more habits, more behaviors, sometimes the biggest thing you can do is find what is that one issue that keeps popping up over and over again and attack that. Like what is that 20% of action steps that you do that makes everything 80% better, right? And if you can apply it through that lens, it's gonna make such a big difference. That's where so many people get overwhelmed. They find a new tip, a new trick, a new morning routine. And now you see the jokes about morning routines. So on the other day, I'd have to remember who exactly put it, but he's like, hey, I put the morning routines of Jocko Willink, of Jordan Peterson and two other people all together at once. 4 a.m., wake up, 4.05, cold plunge, right? And just goes through this. And so many people get over the top trying to think they need to add more. They feel like they're doing everything right to get results. But the reality is there's still one underlying aspect that's leading them to be less compliant with the things that really move the needle. Yeah. And if you can help have someone like that's what's super important about potentially, you know, even just doing a consult with the health professionals is I ask them to walk me through their current routine and, and what they're doing. And I'll be like, all right, so it sounds like the bulk of your calories that are keeping you overweight and tired happen after 8 p.m. Is that a fair statement? That's a, that's, a, that's our lead domino. We got to let's just fix that. And, and you'll wake up more energized. Your body will start to change. Like, oh, it's like, yeah, okay. But it's so simple. <laughs> these morning routines, I script my day hourly uh, just because I want to just stay focused. It's about being able to 
do these things when you don't have ideal circumstances. You know, Eric, you're a father, you have young kids. Like I'm sure there's some days you roll into your day and you're tired and oh, you've been up all night because your kid was sick or whatever. And it's, if you can still stick to these things that are important to you while under bad circumstances, now they're really starting to stick. Because if you only do these things that you know that are good for you when you're motivated, when you're feeling good, you know, you're not going to get the best results. Like the classic example is someone saying, I'll work out when I'm not busy. I'll eat healthy when I'm not busy. The reality is you have to learn to adapt habits and action steps and behaviors when you do not feel like it. If you ever want to develop the skill of being consistent to handle all the curveballs that life is going to throw at you. And so when you're not motivated, that's when you need to do it most. I love that perspective, uh, which bleeds directly into, again, like something else that you consistently talk about. And it's the idea that motivation is an act. It is not a feeling. Can you elaborate? I think we're all, you know, especially with the the, the internet, you, I, and I love it. Like you, you watch something that really motivates you and inspires you. There's this one Mike Tyson clip that I watch regularly and he talks about being a student of war. Have you seen that? That he studied Napoleon. He just goes off. Yep. I mean, obviously he's a poet. So hearing him talk about that, that motivates me. Okay. And there are going to be some things, you know, I just think about my dad and he always had a photo of my brother and I in his wallet and he was an entrepreneur and he worked hard, two jobs and stuff like that. And like, why do those, why do they have, you know, those photos is, is, you want the reminder of why you're working so hard. What are you doing it for? And so as much as you can have the external motivators that keep you, you know, if you look at my, you can't see my desk, but I have some photos of my family. I have some memorabilia that keeps me aligned and motivated. But there are times when, like yesterday, I really didn't want to do my VO2 max training, which is four minutes all out, four minutes rest. And then you have to do that brutal. Four times. That sucks. Like it is just the hardest cardio protocol I've ever had to do. And I'm not motivated to do it. But when I put on that Swedish house mafia and I get about six minutes in, I'm good. And so I was not motivated for the first yep. six minutes or like the 30, maybe two hours leading up to it. I was like, oh, what's today? Uh, coach has me do VO2 max. I was like, all right, but oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. But the point is, is not to be motivated. The point is to develop the character traits that shows up even when they're not motivated, when they don't want to do it. We talked about self-discipline in the beginning is, you know, one of my self-discipline mantras is someone I don't miss, right? Is I try with hundred percent effort that when I make a commitment, I roll my life with integrity that I do what I'm going to say. And the fear of not holding that promise is way worse than doing the workout or doing what I don't want to do. I love that. That alignment aspect is so crucial, right? I personally believe that when people really start to struggle with anxiety and depression, so much of it stems from acting out of alignment with who you want to be, with the values that you deem to be important, right? Setting a commitment that not living up to it. Personally, I never feel like, a, you know, a bigger piece of shit than that exact moment, right? And that itself, I think is really important to think like, who do I want to be? And what actions do I need to take to get there? And do I know, do I have the tools to be able to get there on my own? You know, and I think that's where the accountability aspect that becomes so important to really dial in this alignment, to really act in congruence with the person you want to be creates that identity shift that helps you step into that person that helps you live up to that potential to take care of your health whatever your internal external motivations are for it one thing that i think underpins a lot of this and leads to a lot of issues for people is poor sleep poor stress poor recovery especially for those who are pushing hard how do you 
teach and coach these habits into your coaching? How do you get yourself aligned to maximize these quote unquote soft skills in comparison to nutrition and training, which everybody makes a priority? Let's unpack just quickly. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. The last couple of weeks have been very, and I, I don't use the word stressful. I use the word full. I learned this from one of my mentors. He's like, we've been going full tilt. Life is full right now. It's not life is stressful, life is full. And I really like being conscious of the words you use because stress can have negative connotations. I like that. Stress in itself isn't a bad thing. We're designed to be go through stress. When you contract muscles at a high level and you go through a training session, you are in fact stressing your physical body in order for it to adapt and get better. The reason you look good naked is through a bunch of stress and a bunch of recovery. That's it. That's why you have lean muscle mass. That's why you have good posture. That's, that, that is just a compounding effect of gym sessions you've done that have created micro stresses that you've recovered from. There's something called allostatic load and allostatic load is the full spectrum of the things that give you stress. This is your emotional relationships or emotional. This is your mental stress. This is your physical stress. This is your world stress. You know, like let's think about a world event in Europe. I'm in Canada. I feel for them, but it doesn't really affect me. But there is a fire in British Columbia, like just about a hundred kilometers away from me. And now I see the smoke coming. And now I'm starting to think, okay, that impacts me. You don't realize that, but that, that probably has some stress load. I have hired five new people in the last two weeks and we've trained them. That's an added stress. Okay, we're ramping up for September and September's January. Business is gonna get full. That's a stress. I'm pushing myself in the gym. Understanding your stress, what's coming in to you is important and your framing of those stresses is the most important. People think that stress is debilitating. The most important stress management tip is that you step into your stress as challenges, as things that make you better. If you are stressed at work because you have an abundance of work to do, good. That means that people trust you and know that you can step into that. That's got to be your frame that, hey, I've got a, so much work that people actually think I'm of this caliber. Okay, this is a great challenge. If you're stressed because of self-sabotaging habits, that's a different conversation if you're waiting because let's be honest the booze you're drinking is sedating you in the moment but it's causing about 24 to maybe even 72 hours of stress in your body that shitty food you eat that's stressing your arteries and creating stress within your body that's going to last for the next 24 48 hours whatever it is so if you are going through it right now you got this number one Number two, get the stress out of your life, like the food, the booze, that's controllable and add what I do with my clients. If they're going through a stressful time, I'm like, okay, cool. You go to bed an hour earlier because if your body and your brain is working at a super high level, it means we need to add more recovery. So all I'll do is like, let's say they go to bed at 11. It's like, no, bedtime this, this week is 10. And that's a non-negotiable. That's the only thing we're gonna do. And we're gonna make sure that you're not putting bullshit in your body. So when I think about recovery, stress and recovery, I think about stress in a positive way. I think about stress in the ways that we can control it. And I think about recovery and things that we can add and not subtract because it might be hard for some people to get an hour into the gym in one day because they're super busy, I get it. But it's pretty easy for most people to add an hour of sleep. 
especially if they're only rolling with like five hours because that REM sleep, that's your emotional resilience. And if you're not getting enough of that, I know when I don't get enough of that, I'm going to be irritable. But it's um, you got to figure out what, what you can manage and what your stress tolerance is. Some people can go. I know some people who run multiple, multiple businesses and they have families and they do whatever. They have no time, but they're the most. Hey, man, how's it going? Their nervous system is so calm. I'm like, you're a champ. But that's the only it's reason. Wild, that is- I love that. And I love your ability to reframe. And many times stress is an opportunity to coin a term from right holiday the obstacle is often the way and like when there's something in front of you it's presented to you because in most cases it's a challenge you're going to be able to learn from and and to grow from and i think that's so important to be able to do and the way that you break down all these different potential stressors from our allostatic load from our training can all be coming in yeah they increase the underlying stress but the best way to combat that is the recovery it just comes down to stress adaptation stress adaptation so if one area goes up well we have to be able to bring it up at the same time otherwise if we don't rest we don't recover then we're simply working harder but not taking full advantage of that hard work and effort that we're putting in and long-term compromising our health marcus this has been incredibly enlightening man i love your approach um you have such a great holistic view on how to incorporate not just you know the nuts and bolts of incredible training incredible nutrition but more importantly, the lifestyle changes to make things permanent. Excellent conversation, dude. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, there are three ways that I can help you look great naked. Number one, if you want to grab a free copy of the Look Great Naked protocol to help you lose body fat without counting calories, then go to bachperformance.com backslash free training. Number two, if you're a busy guy looking to build muscle, then I recommend checking out our Minimalist Muscle Blitz, which has helped over 1,000 men build muscle without living in the gym. Just go to minimalistmuscleblitz.com. The link will also be available in the show notes. Or number three, and last, if you want to work with me directly and get the best results possible, apply at bachperformance.com backslash coaching to look great naked without living in the gym. Until next time, my friend, 